Welcome to the Engage eSnowball podcast. The intent here is to bring relevant news, information, and commentary regarding eSnowball schools in Northeast Indiana. My name is John Clausen. This episode is going to be a quick short. On August 22nd, the day before the estimated vote on the transgender policy, the board posted the new policy draft. This episode is to provide some insights into that policy proposal. It explains how I see it. If you see it differently and you feel the current policy draft doesn't leave the door open for nefarious behavior, please provide your feedback on our Facebook group, Engage Snowball Public. But consider this. One of the reasons why we may see it differently is that, for some of us, we have been engaged with the board for a while, and we see a persistent lack of transparency, along with what appears to be a persistent pattern of supporting left-of-center perspectives. So without that context, you might have a much higher trust level for the board than I do. The following is going to be approached like an FAQ, you know, frequently asked questions. Number one, what is the so-called proposed transgender policy at East Noble? It is a policy that outlines a grievance process for reporting an alleged violation of state law in HEA 1041, which was passed in 2022. This says that it is against the law for a boy to play in a girl's sport or or on a girl's team. Number two, why is a grievance process even necessary? Well, because HEA 1041 requires that schools have a grievance process for reporting alleged violations of the law. There's more to this topic, but I'm going to keep it simple for now. Number three, who can file a grievance to report a boy in a girl's sport? Any student or parent of a student, according to HEA 1041. Note that this means not a grandparent, not a sibling, not a friend, not an uncle or aunt, and certainly not a concerned citizen. Number four, How could the proposed transgender policy at East Noble be misused? Well, there are are at least five ways that this policy, as written, could be misused. Number one, it calls for school officials to, quote, recommend a resolution, unquote. But it does not say that the resolution will be in compliance with state law. Perhaps the recommendation would be to allow the student to play while they challenge state law. Look, with transparency, not everyone agrees with my assessment on this text. But it sure would be much better if it simply said, recommend a resolution in compliance with state law. That would leave much less room for mischief. Number two, it seeks input for the recommendation from the person who filed the grievance. The person who filed the grievance has no authority to determine the legality, so what is the purpose of seeking input? Is this to influence the person who reported the grievance? In its current form, the policy as written seems to allow school officials to meet and ask for input to the recommendation without a parent or guardian present. This can lead to a minor being influenced or coerced to drop the grievance. Picture this scenario. A principal or administrator who wants to influence a young lady who filed the grievance says, Hey, look, Amy. I know you may have heard from someone that it's not fair for a boy to play on a girl's team, but we can do better than that, can't we? Consider that Kyle is really not good enough to play on the boy's team. We don't want to make her feel bad or maybe hurt herself because we don't let her play on the team that she identifies with, do we? That's just kind of bigoted and unkind, isn't it? 
So how about we just keep this to ourselves? Let Kyle play on your girls' team and pretend that we didn't report anything, okay? Look, the team might even win more if you just let Kyle play on your team. Wouldn't that be cool? Number four. As written, the current policy draft does not provide the public with any record of a reported grievance. The public then would have no way to hold their school accountable to their actions, and this is detrimental to representative government. Of course, it is fine to keep the identities of who filed the grievance and who was the subject of the grievance in confidence, but we should know that a grievance was filed, we should know what team it was filed for, we should know who provided recommendations and what those recommendations were at each step, and we should have the dates on which each of these steps occurred. As a policy is currently drafted, it appears to allow the entire process to take weeks to complete. All the while, the boy is assumed to be playing on the girls' team. Well, let's break this down. Step one, at the principal level, they get 15 instructional days to make a recommendation. Step two, the superintendent gets 10 more instructional days. Step three, well, there is no deadline for the board on the policy draft that I have. So in summary, the first two steps alone, assuming a full week of instructional days, could take five weeks. Do some sports play during instructional breaks? If so, then it could be even longer. That alone can be a significant portion of a season that a boy gets to play and remain on the girls' team. But that's not the worst of it. It appears that the board has no deadline to decide, theoretically leaving the boy on the team until they feel like getting around to it. Now, inevitably, somebody's going to say, you've got to trust the board. Just because a policy has no deadline doesn't immediately mean that the board's going to misuse the policy. Well, how about we just keep the policy clear and have deadlines? Because most good policies and processes do. Well, that's my quick assessment. If you see it differently, please let me know. My goal is to give you accurate information and insight. Remember, the board has communicated that they will vote on this policy at the school board meeting at 6 p.m. Wednesday, August 23rd. Thank you for your time. I hope you subscribe to the podcast and visit us again soon. Please also consider joining us on our Facebook group, Engage East Noble Public. Until next time.